I've personally delivered shocking news of some personal calamity and to people and witnessed their immediate response over the years of ministry. I've watched people freeze and become, in a sense, disoriented, not knowing what the next step is, let alone what tomorrow holds for them. It's amazing how tragedy begins to freeze thinking and even next steps. I remember bringing home a friend from the airport. Uh, as I picked him up, we showed up at his house and the fire department just finished putting out the fire in his house. I remember walking through his house, nothing was salvageable, and he just froze. Looking at the contents of his home, we're all gone, all completely lost, and not even knowing what to say, what to do next. Cindy and I were on a missions trip and got a, a, a devastating phone call from one of our people that were on the missions trip. that Their father in his mid-50s passed away with a heart attack. And having to knock on a room door at two in the morning and to tell this young lady and to see the shock frozen, like this can't be my dad, this can't be real, this can't be true, and not even knowing what to do next. Do I, do I fly back? Do I, do I call? What, what do I do at this point? All the way to when we pastored in Detroit, I want to encourage you that you're going to hear this story on our TSC podcast called Real Life, Real World, which is the story of Kevin Ramsby, who pastored with me in Detroit, stabbed 37 times and survived. And I remember hearing the news, and not only as a pastor, but as a church, frozen, like, what do you do next? That's what happens with tragedy. We all know to some degree when our life is being turned upside down by some unexpected misfortune, and then not knowing what's next, frozen to what the next step may be. We've all experienced this during the COVID season, the pandemic, the, the volatile political atmosphere to the injustices that are happening in our cities around the country and, and even more things to come that we don't even know about. But, but listen to me carefully. Life being upended by difficulty is difficult. But I want to pose something to you today. But what about if life is upended, not by difficulty, but God gives us a faith challenge and we still don't know what to do next? That happens to God's people where God interrupts our security and comfortability, get this now, with a faith step. I remember when Dr. Charles Stanley, the great Atlanta pastor, was speaking at our old church and he said the most important trip he has ever made in his life was when he was 18 years old getting ready to start ministry to talk to his 85-year-old grandfather who gave him advice about the ministry. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Charles, if God tells you to run through a brick wall, he looked at his grandson and said, Charles, start running. And you have to believe that God will have a hole already in the wall the size of your head. And then he said this, be obedient to God and leave the consequences of your obedience to him. He's now responsible. That's so powerful because we have to remember the faith life can upend your life. God says, talk to this person about me. They're a vocal atheist. How about this? God maybe speaks to you to lead or even join one of the TSC, the TSC connect groups. And you're going, but I'm in, I'm in, in mainland China or I'm in Kenya or I'm in Uganda. And, and how, how would this even work? That's the faith step. God says, to tithe, and you know 10% out of your budget doesn't seem to work on paper, but somehow it works with God. 
God says to some of you, listen carefully, to register this fall to go to Summit International School of the Ministry because there is something that I have for your future. All you know is fall, register, but you don't know what's coming next. Maybe God says, move to New York City, move to Israel, and you're going in a pandemic. See, now our life gets turned upside down, not by difficulty, not by tragedy, not by catastrophe, but many times by a faith challenge. See, what do you do when you only see in that challenge a next step, but not even the whole journey? I want, I want to help you with the simplest way I can tell you of what you're supposed to do and what I've learned in my own life. Simply obey what you know. Just obey what that next step is. The best advice on moving forward with God that I don't have to know everything that's ahead. I just have to know what my next step is. And I believe that this is part of not only God's plan for what's ahead for the church, but even for all of our lives. Because God is putting his church on a journey now as we are getting closer to the other side of, of a pandemic, but getting ready to enter into some difficult waters. But God, I believe, is giving us next steps, but maybe not complete maps. Because when we say yes to going with God, we, we'll always know the next step, but many times not know the final destination and sometimes not even know the second step. See, the moment you become a Christian, you begin a new life of walking by faith. These are This is a Bible phrase, and not by sight. See, what, what the Bible is teaching us is that your faith now begins to have more authority over our walk, our daily walk, than even our sight even does. Well, Pastor Tim, what does that mean? It means I trust what God says, even over what I see with my natural eye, over what I see everyone else doing or everyone else saying that I may have limited sight, but I have a sure word with God and deciding that God's way is now my way. When he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Or one of the most incredible passages about this that doesn't even seem to fit. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He goes, we fix our eyes, fix our eyes, not on what is seen. That to me is incredible. How do you fix your eyes to what is not seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I was reading the story that when Walt Disney opened up Disney World in Florida in 1971, Walt Disney died just a few years before the opening of the park. His wife was there to cut the ribbon and not Walt. And as he was, as, as she cut the ribbon and sat down for the festivities, a woman leaned over to Mrs. Walt Disney and said, too bad Walt isn't here to see all this. To which she replied, oh, he saw it. That's why we're here. He saw something that nobody else did. This is kind of really what God begins to lead us in, in, in what the faith life is. And really the challenge of even the book of Hebrews, the faith chapter is that without that kind of faith that fixes our eyes on what is un, un, unseen, that walks by faith and not by sight, without that faith, this is what the writer of Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God. Always remember this. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. That's why from the very beginning, we were called believers before we were ever called Christians in the word of God. So how do we move 
because I think this is important on how do we move in faith with limited sight sometimes? How do we move forward when forward is not even very clear as a church, as a Christian, as a family? How, how do we guide those steps? Or as we're going to talk about today, what do you do, get this now, when you're 75 and your wife is 65 and God has a faith challenge, a, a new ministry for you. You're 75, she's 65, and God goes, let's get ready. We have a new challenge for you. And this one's going to involve a, a new country and a new child. Folks, come on. 75 and 65, Abraham and Sarah should have been living on social security, emphasis security, and now the faith challenge now moves them to social insecurity. 75 and 65, and that's why I'm, I, I want to give a challenge to seniors today. You never know what's next with God. Year, years, get this now, years may wrinkle the skin, but don't let it wrinkle the soul. Old doesn't come from years. Old comes from a soul that does that has given up, and God wouldn't let Abraham and Sarah give up. A new assignment with an AARP card in their back pocket, and God goes, get ready. My 75 and 65-year-old, new country, new child. And God uses this 75-year-old man, this 65-year-old woman to begin a brand new journey. Talk about upending your life. This isn't tragedy upending. This is faith challenge. This is moving forward. And sometimes forward is not even clear. And, and I have to say this today because some people... I, over over the years, even sneer at this story, especially when you start speaking about the new land and the child to be born. And, and let's be clear, that baby that God says you're going to have descendants doesn't come for 25 years. He's going to be 100 and she's going to be 90. That's That's pretty incredible. But I have to say this to you, God always proves himself that he tells the truth every single time. I, I The number one story, talking about when God really just proves himself and says, I always tell the truth. When I'm talking to sometimes atheists, agnostics, the number one story that they quote to me, they say, no way God can do that. You ready for this? Is always Jonah and the whale. Did you hear what happened last week in Cape Cod, Massachusetts? Hold on, folks. ABC News just reported that Michael Packard, 56-year-old commercial lobster diver, has an apparatus and everything, dives in right off Cape Cod and gets lobsters, was diving in and a 45-foot-long humpback whale swallowed him whole. And he lived to tell about it. He was in the whale for less than a minute with his with his with his uh, breathing apparatus until the whale spit him up does that sound familiar let me just tell you this that's not just Jonah and the whale that's Michael and the humpback whale which tells me this that when you think god can't do something now you can just go Michael and the humpback god shows up anytime he wants to because god is always telling the truth he can take a 100 year old and a 90 year old and say you're going to get a new land and a new child and he can tell you and prove and verify that what happened with a jonah and a whale can happen with michael and a humpback so here's the story abraham's story in hebrews 11 
is a hundred year faith, is a hundred year old faith story, not by sight, but by faith journey that's condensed into 11 verses right here. That, that literally this hundred year faith man has now his journey condensed in Hebrews 11 into 11 verses. Now get this, because Genesis 12 through 25 is the 100 years, and Hebrews 11, 8 through 12 is just, is this gonna be the verses that are gonna begin to explain what's ahead? I wanna read to you some of these verses. Here's this faith story. When faith upends your life and is asking you to take a step and you're going, God, how do I move forward when forward doesn't seem to be clear? How do I move forward when I think you're speaking to me to take a step, but I don't see the whole journey. I don't see the, the map that's gonna show me the destination. Listen to this man who is literally called the father of faith. By faith, Hebrews 11, 8, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, listen to this phrase, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, as the 90-year-old, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead as that, as many descendants, as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. That's just the beginning of the story. See, the story behind Hebrews 11.8 begins for us in Genesis chapter 12. This, this is taking a step into a place, a faith step that upends your life going, I, I, I'm going, but not sure where I'm going. How do you head into a future that seems uncertain? How do you move forward when forward seems to be unclear? That's what even happened to us. When, when Pastor Carter called Cindy and I and said, I believe you're, you're supposed to be here in New York. Um, I, there is no books on how to, how, to, how to lead a church during a pandemic. It was a faith step. And all we knew was say yes to that and then let God obey simply what we know and let God begin to lead us on each of the next steps. Or as Corey Ten Boone said, the great Holocaust survivor, never be afraid to trust an unknown future, hallelujah, to a known God. But I wanna help you today because I, I, I'm, I'm really kind of sharing with you our journey as we are walking through this with you as a church, walking with you as a church family. How do you move forward when sometimes forward it's not even clear for us. I, I, I'm learning this as we go. You, you know, it's, it's, it's in these next few things that God is just helping, not only just Cindy and I, but I think he's gonna begin to help us as a church. Here's what I've learned. One, faith happens when God speaks and I obey what God spoke. Now that sounds simple, but let me say that again. Faith happens when God speaks and simply I obey what God spoke. See, faith is a response to revelation. I wanna make it as simple as I can for those that are, that are listening. Faith is the word of God plus my obedience to that word. That's what faith actually is. That's why the best way to define faith is like this. God speaks, you obey. Faith is my response to God's revelation. And there's no faith 
unless God is speaking to us. Hebrews 11.8, we just read it, says when he was called. That means God spoke. And then in Hebrews 11.8, it ends with this. And he went out. That means he obeyed. God called, he went out. That's faith. Simple as that. I can't make it any, any simpler. But the part that I want to emphasize for us today is God speaks first. Let me, let me just say that again. God speaks first. That's important when it comes to obedience. Abraham hears God. Abraham obeys God. Now, here's what's incredible. Genesis 12.1, which, which, which is the story of Hebrews 11, begins with these words. Now the Lord said, Verse four, and Abraham went. That's true biblical faith. See, unbelief is disregarding what God has spoken. Unbelief is walking by sight instead of by God speaking what God has done. But the danger, the danger is doing what you want and asking God to come alongside that. Something dangerous gets reversed. I'm doing what I want. God, you come into my situation. Instead of us hearing what God is saying, we're saying, I'm doing what I want and I want God to show up. This is a dangerous reversal that we have all have to be careful. In fact, it's not left out of the story. In fact, it is literally connected to the Abraham faith story, the father of faith. And it's connected by the chapter just before um, Abraham steps out in faith. It's the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. It's the chapter before the faith of Abraham. And it's a contrast of God's way and man's way. Don't miss this. Listen to these words of the Tower of Babel. When they said, come let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach to heaven to God himself and let us make for ourselves a name. Did you see it? It kept saying over and over, let us build a tower. Let us make a name for ourselves. Man goes first and say, we're building this and we're building it up to God. But then look against, look look at Abraham's life of faith. Remember, God speaks first, we obey. It's not us speaking first. Listen to what it says. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, that's God going first. Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. So you shall be a blessing. Did you see the difference? Genesis 11, let us. Genesis 12, I will, God speaks. That's what's absolutely incredible. See, when you walk in faith, then God will do what he said and what God has promised. There is, there is that the Tower of Babel, that dangerous type of walk. I have to say this today, and I feel so prompted to say this because I want you to walk in biblical faith because we can't please God without faith. See, there is a dangerous faith doctrine that says this, you speak first and God is supposed to obey what you said. That's that's the reversal of true faith. Let me say that again. They say, you tell God what you want and God is to obey what you said. Did you see the reversal? See, real faith, God speaks first and we obey. But there's a doctrine that goes around and says, you tell him and he has to obey what you said. It doesn't even make sense. Jeremiah the prophet says it like this. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not even in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Even Jeremiah says says that it doesn't work for man to speak first. We can't speak first. The right way, according to Jeremiah 10, 23, is not even in us. 
That's why this is so important. If God will, then you can. If God says, I will do this, then you can. That's why if you have a word from God to take just one step, I'm telling you, I want to encourage you today. You can walk knowing he, God, is with you no matter who is against you. Even on the first step, God is with you no matter who comes against you. I was reading the story of the famous 19th century Methodist preacher, Peter Cartwright, who was known for his uncompromising preaching. He was a man who had always walked by faith and not by sight. And because he walked by faith, he was afraid of nothing. And one day they said when the seventh president of the United States, Andrew Jackson, came to Cartwright's church, the elders warned the pastor before preaching. This is not good eldering. Um, the elders warned the pastor, don't offend the president when you preach. Because in those days, the president had a lot of power to influence a denomination and, and, and they wanted to be known as a church, but they knew who their pastor was. So we always remember what we said earlier. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. Listen to this. When Cartwright got up to preach, these were the first recorded words out of his mouth. I understand that President Andrew Jackson is here this morning. I've been requested to be very guarded in my remarks, but let me say this in my introduction. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent of his sin. What? Andrew, he's speaking, this is his opening remarks. The entire congregation gasped with shock at Cartwright's boldness. And after the service, everyone wondered, would the president just leave? Or would he say something to Cartwright? And Andrew Jackson walked right up to the preacher, looked at him in the eye and said, sir, if, if I had a regiment like you, I could conquer the world. That man was unafraid because remember, Abraham had four I wills. I will make you a great name. You don't have to do anything. Just obey me. Take just the next step. Just obey what you know to be true. And he knew, and Andrew, uh, Peter Cartwright knew, I have to preach this gospel. It doesn't matter who's sitting out there. Faith is God speaks first, I obey. Not me saying speaking first, it's God speaking first. Let me give you a second thing. A life of faith, this is the hard one for me, leaves how and when a mystery, but never who. The life of faith will leave the how it's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen, that's a mystery, but never who is the one that's doing this. I, I, I want to I speak to you, um, whether, whether you're an older pastor or a young man getting ready to go into the ministry. A word to those that are stepping into ministry. As I've been doing this for four decades, I've learned something. And, I've, and, and I always remember what one man said. He said this, when you go into ministry and are about to work at a church, here's what he said. This is the life of faith. You have to be ready wherever God leads you. You have to be ready to spend the rest of your life there and you have to be ready to pack your bags in 30 minutes. Let me say that again. Wherever you step in faith, you have to be ready to spend the rest of your life there and you have to be ready to pack up in 30 minutes. See, timing and method, the, the how and the when is always up to God. When we get impatient in this faith journey with God, when we get impatient with God that we don't feel like he's moving fast enough, we will try to hurry up the when 
or create the how with our own plans and cleverness. This is so dangerous. Abraham got in trouble during his journey of faith when he tried to manipulate the how and the when. He did it with lying. He did it with, with Hagar and, 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 and birthing children that weren't with Sarah because he wouldn't wait for, for the miracle for, from his 90-year-old wife. It says Abraham obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. He just took the next step. But when he got impatient with how and when, that's when all of a sudden things began to be, get messy. See, Abraham knew what he was leaving, but not what he was going to. Uh, historically, it all starts in Iraq, um, where he is called. That's the Ur of Chaldees. In fact, the British Museum has excavated Ur of Chaldees, where he's from, Abraham City. They, they found that this is one of the most um, current, like, like uh, progressive cities of the Old Testament, they found three-story buildings existing, a harbor town, a place for the rich, a market that was, that was like no other. In fact, we are told in the story, Abraham had 318 servants, which mean, wow, you, you have something going on there in the Ur of Chaldees. It was the kind of place, you ready for this? You didn't want to leave, and because he did leave, this is the, this is the upending, this is the, the faith challenge, this isn't tragedy, this is faith challenge to leave all this to leave the city that you love, to leave the only city that you've known all your life, to leave as a senior, 75 and 65, to leave, and you have 318 servants, the Bible tells us. That's why he's called the father of faith. First man in the Bible to be said he believed God. I read that it says that when a, when, when, when a mother eagle wants its baby eagles to get out of the nest and to start to fly, that one of the things it starts to do is it starts to remove all the inner soft things, the feathers and the fur that he that she has lined the nest with. And then as she keeps pulling things out, that the only thing that's finally left to get these eagles to be uncomfortable in their position are the thorns and the outer rim of that nest, which all of a sudden seems to, seems to no longer be a comfortable place and starts to poke and maim and hurt. And it's because the mother eagle is going, this is not the place you're supposed to land, but there is another horizon that I'm bringing you to. That's why as good as the nest was, it wasn't the best place it was supposed to be. I want to say something to you today that is so prevalent on my heart. Keep this in mind. The good past can be a hurdle to our miracle future. Let me say that again. The good past, the good things that God has done can be a hurdle to our miracle future. And Isaiah, and God has been really challenging with this, gives a revelation when he speaks about God's new thing that's ahead and a new journey that's ahead. Listen to what he says. I'm the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, I make a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, he says, who brings forth the chariot and his horse, the army and the mighty man. They'll lie down together and not rise again. They've been quenched and extinguished like a, like a wick. He's speaking about what happened in Egypt, that God's miracle deliverance. And he says these words, listen to it. Don't, do not call to mind the former things, or ponder the things of the past. He just gave them great things of the past and says, don't even call those to mind. I'll get to that in a second. He says, behold, I'm doing something new. Now it was gonna spring forth and you're not even gonna be aware of it. I will even make a roadway, get this now, in the wilderness and I'm gonna put rivers in a desert. This is incredible what happens here. See, even Times Square Church is here because, because of a David Wilkerson 
who had God beginning to poke him in Pennsylvania, going, this is not where you're supposed to be, but I need you to fly into New York City to begin to speak to gang members where a Nikki Cruz comes out and the teen challenges birth. And, and decades later, a Times Square church is here. He did the same thing with our overseer, Pastor Carter Conlon, when all of a sudden makes the, makes Canada, a small uh, city in Canada, a little bit uncomfortable for him and Dr. Teresa and says, I have a mission for you. And I have a mission for you, Dr. Teresa, to lead the next generation of young pastors. And when you begin to think about this, and what God is doing, he was making a path through the ocean. This church is here by God making a path through the ocean, putting a path in the pounding waves. And God has done the same for some of you. But here's what's amazing from Isaiah. God made paths and roads through places that he says that didn't even exist. That's that sea, that, that, that red sea where the deliverance came to get you out of slavery, to move you to a promised land, to drown an Egyptian army. Then instead of them telling that story, Isaiah blows us all away. He said, I want you to forget what happened. I want you even to forget about the amazing past because there's something ahead. What, what he was saying was this, because I, I want to forget the bad stuff of my past. Isaiah says, I want you to forget the good stuff of your past and get ready for the better stuff in your future. Because I could just see I could just see Abraham going like, this is where we grew up. This is where we, we were going to raise our grandkids. This is, we finally made it and have all these servants and we've got this house and all this. And God goes, okay, I want you to forget the good stuff and get ready for the miracle stuff. Before I did it with an ocean, Isaiah says, but now I'm about to do it with another venue. Here's the venue, Isaiah 43, 19. I will even, he says, make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What he was saying was, Forget the roads in the oceans and the seas. I'm about to bring roads in a wilderness and a desert. He says, don't get stuck on venues and think that's the only way he does it. If you keep talking about what has happened, Isaiah was saying, then you're gonna miss what will happen. One of, one of the songs that I grew up singing from the, from, the, from the 1970s, great gospel singer Andre Crouch was the Psalm 103 song when he sang the song, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. And then he would say, then we would sing this, this chorus. He has done great things. And then sometimes the worship leader would switch on us. And, and instead of he has done great things, that's the Red Sea path. We would then start to sing, he will do great things. That's the rivers in the desert. That's the roadway in the wilderness. That's God going, I'm changing venues here. He has done great things, hallelujah. But he will do great things. And I believe we're getting ready as we take steps of faith, we're entering into a he will do great things season that you made it through an ocean and a sea, but now it's time to get through a desert and a wilderness because God is not limited, but limitless. How, how do we do that? How do we, how do we not get stuck even with a good past? See, when you are saved, when you become a Christian, hold on now. You don't become a theologian. God gives you a teacher, the Holy Spirit, so you become a student, not an expert. Because the Holy Spirit helps us. I was thinking about this. Even this is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was so important. When Peter was filled in Acts 2 with the Holy Spirit, he didn't instantly become a theologian, but he became a student. See, for this reason, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He is changed by God. He's 
spoken, according to this, he's spoken in tongues, but still has prejudice in him. See, what happens is when the Holy Spirit comes and takes over, now we become a student. Now we become teachable for what God wants to say. Then in Acts 10, the apostle Peter starts to realize that he's calling a whole group of people, Gentiles, non-Jews, unclean, wouldn't even associate with them until God, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, started to give him a vision and started to teach him. What he was saying was Acts 2 made Acts 10 possible. When the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, we become teachable. We become, God, speak to me. I'm not an expert. Now I become a student because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I become a student to learn God, just as you did Red Seas and, and, and oceans and drowned Egyptian armies, now you're ready, God, to put rivers in a desert and roadways even in a wilderness. That's why I want to challenge you. Every Tuesday night, Pastor Carter Conlon leads our Tuesday night worldwide prayer meeting that's, 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 that's touching almost 200 countries. But he has been challenging us to ask people to meet in homes to pray during the prayer meeting. Really, he's asking you to start a prayer connect group with our Tuesday night prayer meeting. But he has been asking us that when we're finished with the prayer meeting, that to pray for that baptism of the Holy Spirit, to pray for that Acts 2 outpouring. What he was, what he was saying was, invite the teacher, the Holy Spirit, to come and consume us. Because when that happens, we give God, we're telling God, now you're the teacher, you come in. I relinquish all, all my expertise, you come and teach me, God. That's what the life of faith is. See, the life of faith begins then to say, God, I'm not gonna make you limited when you are limitless. Hallelujah. Let me close with this. I, I, I'm learning more and more that the life of faith is sailing under sealed orders. I, I was reading that phrase recently as I was reading about a history book on on World War II and, and reading about subs that would get um, sealed orders. And only thing that would be in the envelope would be longitude and latitude coordinates. And it wasn't the end of the mission, it was just the next step of the mission. And every time that Navy commander took that sub um, to those coordinates, they would then get the next sealed orders that would come to them. And, and every time, they would obey just the next step. They would know where they were to go beyond that. And it wasn't until they just took each step that they would end up at, they knew what was gonna be their mission. See, Abraham had sealed orders and he had to leave what was good to get what was miraculous. It was just, it was just taking the sealed orders and say, I'll just take the next step to what, what you're saying are the coordinates, my longitude and latitude lines. That's what Abraham was doing. He was just taking just the next step. And that's what I'm challenging you today. Take your next step for your personal future, for the future of your church, for the future of the church. See, you will never know what God has next until you do what God is asking you to do clearly right now. That's Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He did take that next step. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. I was so challenged by this, and I'm believing it's gonna challenge you today. What, what, what that next step is, the simplest way to define this step one of the challenge of faith, the faith life that upends life, not tragedy, but faith, the faith challenge, is this phrase, 
walk to the edge of the light. That's it. That's step one is walk to the edge of the light. One of the preachers of yesteryear that has, of a hundred years ago, actually, that has um, encouraged me is a man named Clarence McCartney. And he grew up as a farm boy and, and his chore on the farm he wrote in one of his books was every night he had to go and lock the barn door. But as a young man, he said it was always dark. And he was afraid and his father would stand on the front porch and give him a lantern to the barn to walk with. This, this is just way out of my league. I don't even think this way. And he would tell Clarence when he's holding a lantern, he said, go to the edge of the light. And the edge of the light from the front, from the porch was the, the fence. Just go to the edge of the light. And then when we get to the fence, from the, the gate in the fence to an oak tree would be the next edge of the light. And he would shout all the way to the sun. He said, I would hear my father saying to me every single time, shouting from the front porch, Clarence, go to the edge of the light. Go to the edge of the light. And he said, and from the oak tree would be the barn door. And I would lock it and then turn around and go back. And he remembered, he, Clarence McCartney said, I remembered later in life, that's what the walk of faith is. Just walk to the edge of the light. This is what Abraham did to obey without even knowing where. God will, God, I believe for everyone that's listening today, I, I really believe that he'll give us light for this day, light for the next step as we, as we obey him. God speaks first and we just simply obey. What's the obedience? Just walk to the edge of the light. What, what, what is the edge of the light? The edge of the light is just simply that known obedience. It's what you know you're supposed to do right now so you can do what's next. Let me say that again. The edge of the light is known obedience. It's what you know you are to do now so God will begin to trust you with what is next. That's the walk of faith. You don't get what's on the other side of the edge until you do what's on, what is visible on this side. It, it, for some of you, listen. Is it an apology he's asking you to make? Is it a confession that he's speaking to you about? Is it a discipline that he's asking you to, to add to your life? That, is that the edge of the light for you? It's something known. Is it, is it, is it giving? Is it generosity? Is it adding a season of daily prayer? Is it reading through the Bible? Is it, how about this, dad? Is it praying over meals instead of just being served and, or, or maybe praying over meals in a restaurant to say, this is what the edge of the light is. I'm not expecting to know what the future is until I do what God is asking me to do right now. Or is it maybe even an apology to a spouse? God, or an apology to one of our children that we messed up. Or maybe it's, literally confessing a lie that we've maybe said to a coworker or even a supervisor. I don't believe we get, we know what's next until we do what we know is now. I don't believe that we know what's on the other side of the edge until God goes, do, do what I'm asking you to do now. This is, the, this, is, this is the edge of the light. This is the faith step. Because we don't know all the time the whole destination, but we do know what the next step is. Let me, let me close with this. Let me be real clear what I think God is asking some of you to do right now. So let me give you the edge of the light here. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says it like this. Today, this day that you're watching is the day of salvation. That's, that's what God is asking all of us to do, a whole planet globally. That if you want to know the future, do, it, do the right thing that you know is true right now. See, obedience, the, the simple step, the first step is what makes the future clearer. As we take a clear step in the, in the light, God begins then to 
open it up and make make even the next step even clearer for us. See, when you don't know what next steps are, then check the light circumference that if, that we're doing, that there's obedience in that light circumference. See, obedience to God is the foundation for direction from God. Let me say that again. Obedience to God is the foundation of direction from God. And do you want to make your forever future clear? Then do what God wants you to do today. He wants you. Hear the phrase. This is Jesus' words. He says, you must be born again. Those are Jesus' words. He says, that's in the edge of the light that if you've never done this before. It, it, and, and some of you are going like, well, if I become born again, if I do what you're saying to do now, I, 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 what's gonna happen to me? I'm just telling you to take a step. I, I don't know what the next steps are. I do know this, is that it, he will accept you. He will change you from the inside out. He will forgive you. And if you have an I will with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. God goes with you. All right, Pastor Tim. If that's the step I have to take, then how do I do this? How, how, how can I be born again? See, Jesus said these words. Jesus, these are Jesus's words. John 3, 3 and John 3, 5. Jesus said, no man that would see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. And in fact, then he says in John 3, 5, you must be born again. What he was saying was you can't make optional what God says is a necessity. He's giving you edge of the light stuff, edge of the light criteria and material. And some people are going like, well, I was water baptized or I'm a good person. I've gone to church. Uh, my parents were religious. That's not what Jesus said. Edge of the light, what's clear in the scripture, what Jesus said, who cannot lie. He's giving you first step about being born again. Those are the, his directions. These are Jesus's words. All right, Pastor Tim, then how do I become born again? I, I wanna make it as simple as we would tell a first grader or a kindergarten it's as simple as ABC. Each one of those letters corresponding to an important word on what it means to be born again. It's A, admitting. Admit that I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us, myself included, have a condition called sin that can't be fixed with a promise, a program, a priest, a pastor. It just can't be fixed that way. We need help to fix this. We're all, all of us are broken on the inside. The diagnosis is sin, and I have to admit that I'm a sinner. Or as one pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior, that we need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, how does that happen? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition that we could not fix on our own. I can't fix myself and neither can you. This is the edge of the light stuff now, folks. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through the suffering he went through is the ultimate case of child abuse. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross for me. But Jesus' death was Jesus being my sin bearer. He died the death that I should have died, lived a life I couldn't even live, and gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness, I didn't even deserve. And finally, it's the C word, confess confess Jesus as Lord. That's a big word. Lord is a huge word. Romans 10, 9, and 10 speaks about that word. It actually means to be boss. You're in charge of my life now. That, that really it's the challenge that do we actually think that God sent Jesus, his son, to die on a cross to get us to sit in a church for an hour or two hours on a Sunday or to sit in front of a, 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 a screen and watch the church digitally? His goal wasn't simply to get you to church. His goal was to get us to heaven. See, religion wants one day a week. 
God wants every day. The Lord wants every day of the week. That's why Christianity is not coming to a place. It's coming to a person. And that's the challenge of lordship. That just as we all had a first birth, Jesus says, now you need a second birth. The first birth was you physically being born. The second birth is spiritually being born. And this is can actually happen right now. As, as you're listening right now, if you're watching from a university, if you're watching from um, in, in Europe, if you're watching down in Central or South America, if you're watching from a kitchen, your home, listening in a fitness center, on a train, in a, in, a, in a hotel, or even in an airport right now, I'm here to tell you, walk to the edge of the light. Today is the day of salvation. And today God can change your life. He can change your future. He can change your forever. But it's you making the decision today by faith, by faith, because this is, this is a faith decision. God, I want you to come in and change me from the inside out. I want to be, Jesus' words, born again. And if that's you right now, and you're listening and say, Pastor Tim, I want to take that step. I want you to pray with me right now. And, and if you can, I want you to say this. I want you to pray with me out loud. Maybe it's a family praying on a couch together. Maybe you're sitting in a car and you, and you couldn't get out for that appointment and God's going, don't go. Take the step of faith today. Take the step. Walk to the edge of the light today. And I'm telling you, God is able to change you. And if that's you, maybe you're going to pray as a family. Maybe you're going to pray as a single dad right now. But wherever you are, I want you to pray this with me. Come on, let's take that first step. Here it is. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.